episode 324. You know, that's that's a term, you know, I get to use the term colleagues all the time, and I get that from Jim Murphy, and he's the one who instilled that in me. But uh, as an example, not long ago, we had somebody show up at our door with an estimate in their hands from Gary's Automotive. And whether it was Cody or his service advisor, Sarah, they gave it to him, I'm not sure. But he showed up. He's just one of those people that just maybe wanted a second opinion. I don't know. My service advisor, Lawrence, looked at this, read through it, and said to the customer, well, what is your goal here? And they were like, well, I just don't know. It's a lot of money, and you know, I'm just making sure. And Lawrence looked at it and said, well, you know what? This all looks good to me. They're a good shop. They kind of specialize in these cars. You probably should just take it back there. We're not going to be able to do it for any less. The guy went back there. I sent Cody a text. He sent me a text back later that day. The guy showed back up there, gave him a deposit on the work, and we just reassured that customer all this bad stuff you hear about the automotive industry, we don't let that happen to ourselves. We never steal business from each other. We don't steal employees from each other either. And we just uh, give that collective power to, you know, it's, we're, we're, but Peter used that word earlier, we're, we're almost a family. Welcome aftermarketers to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. Carm Capriato here. I have a great listener base of the podcast in the Great White North, and I was honored while being hosted by the ACT Group in Seattle at the ATE Show March of 2018 to sit with three shop owners and members of the Momentum Group in the British Columbia area of Canada. Hey, thanks to Federal Mogul Motor Parts for the support of these podcast interviews. When you need to search for parts, get the latest technical updates, or sign up for some Garage Rewards loyalty program swag for Texan shop owners, go to fmmotorparts.com. Hey, have you locked into the Town Hall Academy, the Single Subject Roundtable Forum? Well, they happen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern and are repurposed as a podcast. Find every episode on the Academy page on the RemarkableResults.biz website. Now, the Academy is the best way to obtain perspectives on major industry trends and topics that will help you with your business strategies and tactics. Great information from the well of knowledge of your aftermarket colleagues. As of this moment... There are over 64 great lessons in the library. Hey, a shout-out and big thank yous to my new Facebook followers, Gary Papura, Jim Keller, Patrick Masters, Dave Marquette, and John Gibbler, and new LinkedIn connections, Alex Parker, Michael McDonald, and Eric Rubio. Great, great to have you on board and engaged with the quality content produced for you each and every week. Now, meet my Momentum Roundtable. Peter Foreman from Integra Tire, second-generation shop owner, Langley, B.C., Cody Olchaski from Gary's Automotive in White Rock, B.C., and Scott Waddle from Precision Auto Service in Langley, British Columbia. And Scott's been on the show before. See the show notes at remarkableresults.biz slash E324 for bios and links to Scott's previous episodes. You'll also get the talking points. Canada? has some major opportunities, challenges, and struggles, just as the U.S. aftermarket, yet they do have a few rules and regulations that are different. They also have a nationwide technician licensing and an apprentice program that requires a four-year automotive degree. Hey, when you listen to the apprentice discussion, you'll like what you hear, learn some new things, or solidify what you already know about building an apprentice program. Now, keep in mind, as we talk about growing our own talent, apprentice programs will be a big part of that strategy. It is obvious that these shop owners are competitors, but help each other out whenever they can. 
As members of the 20 Group, Momentum, they are serious about supporting each other. Listen for the story of Peter Foreman's dad, Dave, as he helped provide Scott Waddle help in the early days of his business. I had a chance to hang out with about 40 members of the Momentum Group while at ATE in Seattle, a great group of owners that brought their technicians with them for training. Now, it just doesn't get any better than that. Now, listen to Peter Foreman, Cody Olszewski, and Scott Waddle. These guys share a lot on their business and the industry. Hey, high atop the 16th floor at the uh, at the Hilton Garden Inn here in beautiful Seattle at the ASA Northwest uh, Automotive Technology Expo, ATE. And uh, I'm in the studio with a very interesting group of my friends from Canada. Now, that's just up the border here, isn't it, Scott? couple hours couple of hours wow and uh it's the mo- part of the momentum group and uh, scott waddle you're gonna you're gonna hear from him in a minute has been on the podcast and has contributed to academies so glad to know scott and what's going on with him uh he owns precision auto service in langley british columbia and he told me about you know this group up in uh in your area called the momentum group you have like 40 some members we have 40 team members from the different uh, from 15 different momentum uh, group shops 15 here. different momentum groups and so how many how often do you come to ATE Scott well as a group we try and do it every other year and some of the members will go in the off years on their own on their own dime and we do it as a group function every second year i also want to introduce Cody Olshasky from Gary's Automotive in White Rock British Columbia by the way it is the most god beautiful country up there you know, I've been up there once and flew over some mountains, and, and I have to tell you, the, you know, way up there is where I learned what size trees really can grow to be. <laughs> what trees look like? <laughs> yeah, what, what real trees yeah. look like. Uh, wow. Uh, glad to have you here, Cody. Uh, second generation, but third generation mechanic. Some legacy there. Yeah, Definitely second owner of this business and uh, my grandfather also had uh, his own business in white rock right on the strip marine drive overlooking the ocean right so at the time my dad wasn't in a position to take over from him so he closed it down when he wanted to retire and then my dad started his own thing about 14 15 years after my grandpa closed so wow love it love the legacy love the legacy love to talk about it i think our industry is so full of such great stories like this and you know i i love to get them told when we have an opportunity and peter foreman's here from integra tire second generation shop owner in langley bc yep hello peter hey you were honored recently from integra they, they did a video on you a great story by the way he showed it before we turned on the microphones it was pretty humbling when they chose me uh to do it but it, uh the end result was fantastic. I just got to see the video last week for this last week for the first time. So when you saw it, um, what happened to your heart? Oh, yeah. It's just pounding onto my chest, right? And uh, I felt really proud to be able to talk about my dad in a way, in, in a legacy type manner um, as to what he's done. He's retired just about three years ago. So really happy with, uh, with that. Good for you. And it's great that he could be out of the business and watching you continue to grow it. Yeah, he he, he uh, realizes now that I've taken over, he probably wishes he retired a few years earlier. It, it always seems to happen. I hear that. <laughs> uh, I called Scott because he's such a great friend and contributor to the show, and I said, so you're, you're coming down there with a big group from Momentum? So let's just have some of those Canadian beers and get together in the studio and talk about the future. Uh, but I, I think I overheard you say something. You finally got a permit for the building that's been how long? Yeah, we've been in this for... Uh over 18 months. Uh, in July, it'll be two years. 
uh, you know, putting together the plans and the applications, the permits. And uh, we got an email at like 4.45 today from our engineer and from one of the staff at our city saying that uh, Monday we can come in and pay the fee and the permits would be granted. And that's just such a huge relief. I have. I uh, never knew that it would have taken you that long. <laughs> neither did I. And it, it just changed. When we started building, people were telling us, oh, it'll take you this many months. And the stories just kept getting longer and longer. The whole bureaucracy has ground to a halt. So I'll, tell, I'll let everyone in on a little secret. When I first interviewed Scott and I found out that he was building a new building, I asked him if he would do a series with me on his process of going from concept, conception, architect, ground in, shovel, and grand opening. And we started and we did three interviews, and that was two years ago. <laughs> and, and so I, I knew that I had to hook up with him and find out, you know, can we actually finish this series? Because I thought it would be so cool to have people listen to a story of, you know, what it, what it took and how hard he's worked to get this design right and the involvement of his people. And I knew that when I saw him up here, I was going to say, so is it built yet? Did we miss an episode? And I found out we didn't miss anything. Didn't miss anything. And I know you asked me about it a couple of months ago, and I think you heard such negativity in my voice. You said, you know what? No, wrong time to record. So we're, we're finally there. Well, hey, I, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe in a year we can finish the series. I hope so. <laughs> I know so. I, I know yeah. so. Very good. Yeah. Wow, shoveling ground. I bet you can't. We're probably going to leave early just to go and, and get ready. The Canadian market. You've got the same challenges in all of North America. You may, you may have different rules and stuff, but it's the same business challenges. I would agree. There's not a lot different in many ways as far as challenges with staffing, um, cars that need uh, you know, specific requirements and, and skills to fix them. That doesn't change across the border, really. So what are we doing about it? Talk to me, guys. You guys are young, uh, taking over second, third generation businesses. You've got the great legacy behind you. You got a chance to steer your businesses in in some really strong, positive direction because your life's ahead of you here. Absolutely. At a business level, for our own businesses, I think growing your own is uh, is a huge. It's going to be big for us, right? Okay, so talk to me about that because that seems to be the answer to the tech shortage. There's a million things everybody's working on. Yeah. To even get the right candidates in the door, um, you know, most of us in the uh, Momentum group are really open to sitting down with the colleges and stuff like that and, and giving them guidelines of what they, they should be learning in their pre-apprenticeship programs and stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, at an industry level, we can definitely contribute that way. But at a store level, you know, bringing them in from a pre-apprenticeship program and not trying to find somebody that's necessarily got a little bit of experience because it might not be the right experience. It might not be the right type of uh, fit for your company. And if you grow them yourself, you're molding that person into what you need. And it is an investment, but uh, if you have the right culture in place, you know, you can make that investment and you know, we've got this culture of, you know, we steal from the dealers, the dealers steal from us to get these good techs, and it's been happening for decades, and that pool continuously dries up, and there's only so far you can go with that. And, yeah, I'm the same way as Cody. We we grow our own. So. Okay. Uh, and, and so let's dig into that a little bit. Would you help me? Help me understand what grow your own really means. I, I just keep hearing so much now. And the reason that I ask, I'm giving you a loaded question. Guys are looking for really good, strong apprentice guides so they can literally go in and fill in the blanks and start taking a person and walking them through a one, two, three, four, five year process by doing 
these things. Let's talk about that. What are those things? Yeah, as far as how to grow them within your shop, I mean, it starts with, obviously, you have that culture of learning within the shop. I've, I've got my lead tech has been with us for 11 years. He started as a first-year apprentice, uh, came out of the foundation course, which is a 36- or 40-week course uh, from there. And so being with us that whole time, he's learned our ways and how we do things, and now he's starting to be a bit of a mentor to some of the new guys that are coming in. Um, I've started to create some processes now that, you know, dad's retired and I've had to figure out some things on my own is um, some specific checklists. When a new guy comes in, um, you've got to do these specific tasks so many times with a technician or a proper tech until um, you're proficient and they've signed off and you can now do, you can now do a road test on your own, right? Uh, Okay. Uh, So you really are creating as you say, the integration process is that someone ultimately signs off on competency? Yeah, uh, that's that's how I've tried to do it. I think uh, it seems to be working okay. I do a couple different things too. We have uh, one of the local colleges has a, a co-op program, it's called. It's five programs, so 16 weeks in school, 16 weeks with me, 16 weeks in school, 16 weeks with me, 16 weeks in school. Um, they come out of there, they get a diploma, in automotive engineering and automotive business as well as they get all of their technical training through that as well and then they need to complete their hours before they can get their red seal and what's that qualify them to do uh well they're a qualified licensed technician at that point right so um and that's the mind, apprenticeship program a, a apprenticeship system in canada that has a lot of these steps in place already yes. but it does not mean that it's hands off the employer and your mentor within your shop has to do a lot of that work yeah it really starts with your mentor all over Canada. I mean, it is how people become skilled tradesmen? For select trades and automotive service technicians. Happens to be one. one. Explain to me how it works. It's not government. It's just what, an unwritten rule. This is how we do it? It's government. It is. It, it is. We have a four-year apprenticeship program, and it will change a bit from province to province, but they're mostly harmonized. It's taken some time to get there. And uh, we have the steps laid out, and the, the training will be delivered uh, the, in classroom training, delivered by a, usually by a college or polytechnic university. And then they go back and work for about a year, and then they go to school for four to eight weeks, and then they come back and do another year in the shop. And the steps are good. And I know Mike Davidson, you've talked to him, the American Skilled Labor Association. Their steps are very much... Um, they're doing a really good job putting that together and it's going to be uh similar but yes we have some government funding that makes it all holds it all together got it in in this is a four-year program yes it's a four-year program and the grassroots in middle school and high school have got to be feeding those programs yeah i think they try it's it's a challenge you've got high schools that are being developed with no shop class in them anymore the brand new schools are getting built and it's not there so so we're losing that battle right now i I think uh you know we're trying but uh it's pretty hard uh we're we're trying to change the culture from the beginning i've got on the board for the um for the training is uh association for the province I've been on that for a little while, and uh, we're really trying to get through to them that, hey, we need to get to these kids in high school. We need to start teaching them that the skilled trades is a good avenue to go down. You don't have to go university all the time, right? Is it the students or the parents? In my opinion, the parents are starting to drive it, but they don't know. They don't fully understand, right? They might have been in a blue-collar job. They didn't pay them very well, and they really want to push their kids into university because that's how they've seen maybe their peers got ahead. And I don't think that's necessarily the the path to travel it's also the guidance counselors and the teachers agreed yeah absolutely it's a big 
issue. It's and a culture change, really. Is what it we it work is, on. and uh, back we had a discussion earlier today with with another roundtable, and uh, we were very deep into that. In fact, I think we did it off record because there everybody's got so many opinions, and I know there's a lot of things being worked on all over the country, looking for career pathing and and some really good work. I'm talking to Bud Houston, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Do you actually put products in the hands of the technicians? Yes, absolutely. Anytime there's new product introduced, perhaps a new problem solver or a new technology, uh, we keep that stuff on the van just because uh, their local parts supplier may not have it available. And we think it's important to show them what's coming and then Seeing the part is really, especially with the new OEX, seeing the part and touching the part is something that that changes perspective rather than just a piece of paper with a picture of the part. Okay, so you put an OEX pad into the hand of a technician, and you've done this, I'm sure, hundreds of times. What do you see on their face when they see it? You can you can tell they get it. You know, in in, in our industry, there's technology that that we use all the time that you look at and you're like, that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to take your word that it works. You put an OEX brake pad in somebody's hand and I just ask the question, why does this look so weird? And they're like, I bet it's to make it cool. They get it as soon as you put it in their hand. So technicians holding your product and listening to your presentation, do you ever see the light bulbs go up? They raise their hand and says, boy, I've got a great idea for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not only does that happen, Every time I'm with a group of guys, I solicit ideas. I'm like, listen, a lot of the stuff that I've shared with you originated in a bay somewhere where the technician said, you know what, if you could do this, it would be really cool. And so the stuff that I get, I send up you know, uh, to our engineering team and say, hey, could we do something like this? And there's things in, in the works and there's some things that came out recently that, that originated in, hey, if you could do this, it would be helpful because at the end of the day, you know, I think Federal Mogul is known in, in every line to be a problem solver and not just solving a problem, but making an installation easier as well. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On site, online, or on demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. Cody, Peter said culture of learning, process for competency. What else can we add to that? Like I said, I think it really all starts with the mentor. Um, once you get that candidate in the door, um, you know, that's a completely separate issue. But once you have them there, you have to have those processes and you have to have the right mentor because you can have an A-level tech that produces 60 hours a week, but he he can't teach. He, he'll never be able to tell an apprentice how to fix the car, right? The thing that makes a good mentor, number one, is patience. You have to be patient with them because if you don't understand that they're starting out and learning, it's going to frustrate you so badly that they aren't grasping some concepts, right? So we need a lot of mentors inside the industry. Give me a message. What, should, what, what would you like to say right now to someone who's being asked to be a mentor and the importance of that role? If somebody is being asked to be a mentor, they have to really embrace the education process and I don't mean that from what people think of education as like a high school or a college or, or any structured education you have to really enjoy the process of that person you're mentoring you have to enjoy the process of them growing almost as much as if it was you growing 
So if you're not that person, it might not be a fit for you, right? Yeah, I don't think you could force mentorship on no, some people can't. that don't want to be I that, agree. right? Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. 100%. Right you got to be a giver, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And 100%. no government program or what uh, ASLA is doing is going to fix that. You need Cody's right. You need the right mentor. In my current shop, we do not have an apprentice, though I have two uh, of my techs were apprentices from uh, uh, first-year apprentice all the way up, and one's been with me 19 years and the other 11. So we have done it successfully, but we do not... None of them are currently really strong mentors. So I elected not to hire an apprentice most recently when I had to replace a technician, but finding one and actually that is one of the reasons i selected the most recent hire we have who is a journeyman technician is i selected him because i believed he had mentor capabilities and he was going to be part of our future and so that when we move into that new building and we have room and the capacity i now have a mentor for the apprentice i think you broke the code guys that i haven't yet heard on the show uh, in three years is that the person has to be willing to be the mentor and if and maybe some of the programs that have failed, Scott, are because the mentor was. I mean, the apprentice is the apprentice. He's going to accept it. This is part of his career pathway. But if he doesn't have a good mentor, and the mentor is not willing and, and into it and realizing his role, I hear too many times that it's just that stuff doesn't work. I think I figured it out. I've seen all sorts of pay plans and other things put together to entice the mentor to collect a quarter of the apprentice's hours or all sorts of different formulas and i don't think any of them do the job if you don't have the right person in place my lead tech he's um he's pretty young like i don't have anybody over 30 in my shop other than my service of new service advisor starting monday excited for that finally yay uh they're all young i got a 20 uh, yeah 29 he turns 30 in the summer a 28 year old and a 22 year old um in the shop oh and a 23 year old sorry they're all young and so the the 30 year old who's like the mentor He's still pretty young to get that across to the guys, um, but he's a great technician. So you try a bit of a different culture where I've got him, okay, not necessarily as a mentorship, but how can you use this young apprentice to your advantage to get you more build hours in a day? Because if you can do that, he's getting hands-on working with these jobs that they normally wouldn't get to do if they get stuck at a dealership and they maybe change an oil all day long or sweeping the floors actually hands-on learning plus the other guys making some money and you're right some of those performance plans necessarily aren't going to work if you use it that way but if you change them in a different mentality we can go that way he, he's not really a mentor yet but i think i can get him to still teach right do you know what i mean guys how many um students that are coming out of the the four-year program or do you have a two-year program up in canada well, it's four years, but generally they come out of the first year, and that's when they're looking for their sponsor or okay. the, the person to hire them. Are, are the dealerships taking a lot of them? Yeah. And, in fact, they're investing heavily in the trade programs and the colleges by giving them equipment, tools, training, so that they can direct and be, like, in their faces all day long. I mean, if, if, you're, if your college is training you only on GM products, when you're done, the GM dealer is right there trying to scoop you up. And are there enough independents that – are worthy of someone saying, hey, I'm going to work at Precision or I'm going to work at the big dealership down the road. Where's the attraction? Is there enough strength on the independent side to pull those students in? It's hard to say because like, like what Scott was saying, when you've got that investment in the schools where the, the, the dealerships or the OEs are there training them, they've already kind of started that process. Uh, yeah, look, Ma, look, Dad, look where I'm going to work. Yeah, and they start talking about, oh, it's always nice and clean. You're always working on new cars. It's a lot easier process, you know, as far as that. I mean, we're, 
a pretty clean shop, I think, and we work on pretty new cars, so we're, we're, we're pretty similar, but they sell it better at the earlier level, right? And so are you seeing churn at, once they get and they're in the dealership and they're, they're not staying in the industry after so many years? Probably a 50-50 with a lot of them. Some of them, it really puts a bad taste in their mouth, and they start hopping if they do stay in the industry. And uh, they'll just, once it's, there's that bad taste in their mouth, they have trouble even being happy at a good environment because they just already have their mind made up. And it takes quite a bit of work to change that if you do end up with the opportunity to change that. But uh, a lot of them, they will get out. They'll just get out of the industry. And that's one of our big problems, by the way, in yeah, the industry. We, I don't know the current stat, but a couple of years ago, it was at the second year apprenticeship level, the dropout rate was 50%. So we've lost half of them halfway through the process same already. here same yeah. in the u.s guys it's it's and and the alumni that are coming out of school um they're, they're not sticking that 50 percent's not not staying in the industry after two and a half three years we have the same issues i i sit on an advisory board peter you said a new service advisor and you were excited and happy about that yeah peter where'd you find your new service advisor so I had a guy that I had for about 18 months and, you know, I was looking for a certain direction and, and I had some pushback as far as that. And, you know, I, I want to go in my direction. So we parted ways. And, uh, um, so at the beginning of the year, and I've been trying to find, uh, somebody since then, I went through a long process. I have a business coach I work with. Um, we developed a process to hire somebody. I, I put a pretty, uh, captivating ad, I think out there. And, uh, I got a lot of people in, I was able to weed it down. Um, and I had somebody and, uh, they were supposed to start a couple Mondays ago, and they didn't show up. And I was just, I was shocked. I was so sad when it happened, and uh, I really dejected that week. That was a tough week. I've been me. in your shoes more often than I would ever want to admit. You're so excited, and the person doesn't show up, and you're wondering, okay, they're sick. Traffic's been delayed. That's exactly you right. You go over all that stuff in your head, and now you start repeating the interview, and you're repeating, you know, everything's going through your mind. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did this go awry? Well, that's my first concerns were there was no response initially, right, when they didn't show up. And I, I was like, geez, I hope they're okay. Did they get in an accident, right? And th- that was kind of your first thing. But, anyways, turns out they were not coming to work for me. And did they call you and say, hey, I changed my mind? No, I got a text message after a couple hours of them not showing up on that first morning. Um, so that was really disappointing because I thought I had found the right person. Um, I had two candidates so to be perfectly honest with you out of the two and they were a fairly close um difficult decision which one to make and so i reached out to the second person and uh, they took a little deliberating as to where to go and they finally gave me the okay yesterday they said yeah i'll come work for you so, so when you come when you go back home this weekend you're going to have a new service advisor come monday morning and yeah. will that integration into your business and your culture be any different than you would bring on a technician uh no i i have I've uh, well because I had the, in anticipation of a new person. I've been working with my business coach about okay, how are we going to get this person? We're going to really slow process them and really get them to buy into what we're doing and how we how we book our our customers in, our clients in, and and uh, and how we create our estimates and do our processes. And, and so I have that ready to go, right? So his first I, one though was supposed to be here this weekend for training. Yeah, I had her booked, ready to go, and uh, yeah, so I had to bail out on and that, i so. just heard you say her yeah will the second one be a her no it's a, it's an older gentleman um he's come from the dealership life um he was from another province and moved here a few years ago and he's just trying to find his way but he's sick of the dealer life he says and he wants to come work for me um so i'm excited i think he'll he'll be a good fit um for now he's got a great personality and he's really gonna like i you kind of you like him right away in the first few sentences of talking to him he lets your guard down that's the kind of person you want to make you feel comfortable when you come into a shop cody so you're a classic car guy i am yeah 
Yeah, one of the few shops uh, left around that do work on them, going all the way back. Uh, muscle cars, classic cars. Stay away from like heavy performance stuff, just because it's a little bit of a different realm. But your uh, weekend driver with collector plates, it's, we do quite a few of them. Yeah, you love being a tech, being in the bays, and does that romance you draw you in now that you're working, you know, as the CEO of the business? What uh, what do you have to do to say, no, 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 let the guys do it? It's a little tough at first. Uh, I've only really been probably 100% out of the bays for about six months now. And uh, it's a little tough not to pick up the slack, you know, but um, it was always a trap I was falling into is that I would start picking up slack and then it would be okay now i'm in the bays again 30 hours a week and then it's 40 hours a week and now all of a sudden i'm replacing work that my technicians could get done without me in there right and they start leaning on that so if i really stick to it and schedule properly and stay out of it it's, uh, it works a lot smoother where are you going for life's advice um, a lot of it comes from Scott across the table here. So, <laughs> old man, one of my Scott mentors. Here. Yeah, forty-seven, but at forty-seven, no. I'm almost twice his age. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's so impressed. The audience needs to understand that Cody and Peter are, are really. Uh, you guys are millennials or not? I am technically. Yeah, okay. I'm like. Uh, I heard just that there's a thirty video about the zillennial or whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah, it's coming. It. So the Z. I'm born in '78, so I'm like in between the. Oh, you're born in '78. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, you're more of an Xer. The X and yeah. millennial mixed together, they say, is what my generation is. So, okay, yeah. but still, I totally identify with millennials. Got it. So you're you're forty something. Um, thirty nine. Thirty nine, and you're. Yeah, I'm twenty five. Whoa, whoa. Okay. To your to your point to. A, a, not to discount Scott because he's one, definitely one of my great mentors, but my father was definitely a huge role in my life uh, as far as that went. And, and you uh, went and got mentoring from it was Peter's dad. Yeah, Peter's dad was. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you went and got it. No, you, you, you didn't have a choice when it came to Dave. <laughs> he um, came to you. He came to us, and uh, so yeah, early in my business, I think it was the guy who sold us the software to our business management soft management program at that time, which is old DOS system that uh, uh, called Pace that uh, some people will remember. And uh, the salesman said, there's a guy around the corner. His name's Dave Foreman. He's going to come see you. He'll tell you what you're doing. He'll tell you what you're doing wrong. He might tell you what you're doing right. And uh, just be prepared. So sure enough, you know, a few months go by and this guy never came by. That's kind of weird. And then one day he comes by. And, uh, you know, it was actually a fantastic experience. And as happens with many, uh, Dave over the years softened up a bit. So I heard lots of stories about <laughs> Dave in the early years. And he was, he was a tough guy. And he'd definitely tell you what you're doing wrong. He softened and softened. And he, he understood, you know, in time that you could, uh, um, you know, it's kind of like the story you attract more flies with honey than vinegar, right? And, and Dave softened and realized he could have a better impact on the industry by being nice and friendly with his neighbors instead of competing. And eventually became one of the greatest Givers in the industry. He was, you know, the chairman of our Automotive Retailers Association. It's like the ASA, it's the Canadian version or the BC version. He was chairman of that for many years on all the boards of all the colleges and committees. And he gave back to the automotive industry in British Columbia and Metro Vancouver more than anybody, hands down. Did a lot. And so now he's observing as a retired person. 
Yeah. And it's got to be, I mean, does he ever stop by and see you, Oh, Scott? he still does, absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. He didn't quit. He's just slowing down. Sorry, I just I don't want to forget Peter's mom either because she came over and she taught me all sorts of bookkeeping and uh, stuff on the program that, because we use the same program, and I paid for training like many of us do, and I got some training and it was good, but she came by and told me how to take that training to the next level. So she came by voluntarily, never paid them a nickel. And she'd spend an hour or two with me training on evenings, and then Dave would come by, and we'd they'd take a, take me out and buy me dinner. It's just like, it was just. Great. So what was what was uh, Dave's secret? He wanted you to be as successful as you could possibly be, because if he wanted a good competitor, he wanted he wanted that to work. He wanted we 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 need to do more of this, and we're we we are, but we're not. Yeah, I mean, we are very lucky in our little area of. Langley, uh, which is, you know, Cody's uh, te- not technically in Langley, but um, a few blocks out, not far out. And <laughs> yes. so we have a great little area. Uh, part of it was spurned on by just having the right people there. But people like like uh, Peter's dad, Dave, uh, we also have uh, an auto parts company, which is also a family owned BC business. They're a huge success. They have 100 locations and they've never tried to leave British Columbia. They don't try and go. And Would that be Lordco? Lordco. OK, so they have a sales rep that it was all three of us, she's our sales rep, and she has got us together on so many occasions socially that we all became friends. And the combination of the two of them, Dave and Teresa, I think made all of us friends. And uh, it kind of, you know, it spread from there. Um, and, and yeah, Dave believed, he understood that good competition, if you're going to have competition, you want it to be good. Because there was a bad competition drags. Was it the rising tide floats all boats? Yes, it does. Yeah, it's one of my favorite sayings. And um, I changed the word to ships. And because and that was the original quote with boats, by the way. Yes. Uh, guys, are you close by? I mean, you all. With I mean, each other? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're all within 15 minutes of each other. Wow. Yeah. And see, that's, that's huge. Yeah. To know that you're really competitors. During that, that eight hours you're open, you consider yourselves competitors or just yes br- and no. bro- brothers, brothers in arms? We're here. colleagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, that's, that's a term. You know, I get to use the term colleagues all the time, and I get that yeah. from Jim Murphy, and he's yeah. the one who instilled that in me. But uh, as an example, not long ago, we had somebody show up at our door with an estimate in their hands from Gary's Automotive. And whether it was Cody or his service advisor, Sarah, they gave it to him, I'm not sure. But he showed up. He's just one of those people that just maybe wanted a second opinion. I don't know. My service advisor, Lawrence, looked at this, read through it, and said to the customer, well, what is your goal here? And they were like, well, I just don't know. It's a lot of money, and you know, I'm just making sure. And Lawrence looked at and said, well, you know what? This all looks good to me. They're a good shop. They kind of specialize in these cars. You probably should just take it back there. We're not going to be able to do it for any less. The guy went back there. I sent Cody a text. He sent me a text back later that day. The guy showed back up there, gave him a deposit on the work, and we just reassured that customer that all this bad stuff you hear about the automotive industry, we don't let that happen to ourselves. We never steal business from each other. We don't steal employees from each other either. And we just uh, try and give that collective power to, you know, it's, we're, we're, Peter used that word earlier, we're, we're almost a family. How often does that happen where, you know, Scott sells a job for you? <laughs> well, he, Lawrence does all the work for me. Uh, not very often, but it does happen <laughs> often where you do hear a remark, and it's not necessarily a written e- estimate, right? You'll hear a remark, oh, I'm here because I'm unhappy, this, that, and the other thing. And you would be so surprised at the look on a customer's face when you say, 
really that quite surprises me because i happen to be really close to the guy that owns that company and it's not lining up what you're saying his business practices and uh they you know they don't know what to say they don't know how to react and it's you know you could sort of cut off some of those bad images of the industry that way too right so i love what i hear Uh, we this is just just so heartwarming to hear how you guys all work together and you're so close to each other and so cody you're a young man technology is coming at us faster than the speed of life it is speaking of which i just bought a new uh, the new snap on zeus last week so uh yeah technology is coming quick and it's expensive okay. and it, it's coming quick and expensive and i bet you just can't wait for it to arrive yeah yes and no i mean uh, i i really enjoy all the parts of it that make it easy um that make you know like information is right at your tips your fingertips now like it's so readily available and that's a hugely part to technology when i think about such a young guy in business and he is going to be there scott when it is when when the autonomous car is going to pull in and say fix me so what have you been thinking about on that day 20 25 years down the road that that's going to happen literally my tech is uh, is here at uh, ATE and we had this conversation in the truck on the drive down about autonomous cars and uh, you know he's uh, quite a young guy too he's only 30 so um, definitely within his realm of his career and uh, you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be a different curve but you know I seem to remember it's completely different merits and everything but i seem to remember when fuel injection started coming out and my grandpa thought that that was the end of the aftermarket industry then that nobody was going to be able to fix it it would everything was going to have to go back to the dealer and you know that was it and here we are now with you know a lot of profitable aftermarket shops around and i think that it's just going to be another learning curve and you know that's why we're here you're preparing every step of the way yeah and so when it when it arrives and you have to ying instead of yang and re, reinvent your business model, yeah. you're going to do it because not only are you really te- keeping pace with technology and keeping your guys engaged as a business owner, are you prepared to want to do business differently in the future? Give me an idea. I mean, have you ever really thought what's it going to feel and look like? What's your business going to look like in five years? Oh, five years, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, even this the steps that we've been covering here with uh, peter has done a great job of going paperless in the shop like you know five years ago i would have told you you're insane how do, how do you operate how do you operate a shop without paper uh, how do you write stuff like where do, where do you update your parts like how do you do any of that stuff right but through just you know really planning it out and like things like our momentum auto group where some guy thinks way outside of the box and 14 other guys think he's nuts but he proves he can do it and it's you know and that happens so often in so many different ways isn't that amazing it really is i mean there's always someone who's wearing tomorrow's fashion today right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so tell me peter about your the adoption of digital vehicle inspections and was it was it a tough thing so many months did you lose anybody oh uh, no no we didn't lose anybody i think uh every uh, as far as customers are concerned, they love it. Um, and as far as my technicians are concerned, they they uh, they embrace it pretty good. And we worked really well together to develop um, processes that make it work well. We had a really robust inspection process already for our regular uh, maintenance services, oil chains, and our and our drivability diagnosis and things like that. Really well uh, set up. 
Um, so to go to the DVI side of things was really just like that next little bit of a step um, for us to go there. And then that in, in turn gave us the opportunity to go totally paperless as well, right? To be able to, we don't have to do this anymore, right? So, and uh, so I just dived in. You made it, you just made it happen. Yeah, uh, we were we were really close. We, we just needed one more little thing. And so I just forced it. Who's your platform? Uh, we use uh, Autoflow. Okay. Or formerly AutoTextMe. So. Yep. And do you have DVI yet? We do, yeah. We've been doing it for quite a while, and we're nowhere near paperless. And that's the funny thing. Paper's on sale this week, and I sent my wife a text message to only pick up a case. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I love I've seen what Peter's doing, and it, uh, it's great. I'm, I'm not prepared to do that right now. I've got other things on the go. You but want to build a new building. Yeah. yeah no. Priorities, <laughs> but man. We, um, we use AutoServe 1 because it was the first to integrate with Protractor, but we use Autoflow as well for the texting capability. And uh, yeah, at some point, I'm going to have to make a decision here. And I, I really like the Autoflow product and uh, the support that they give. So it, it may end up being that way, but we've been doing it for about a year and a half, but only really for about a year, less than a year. All right. Uh, you got it, Cody? Do you have DVI yet? No, not yet. And 23 years old, I figured you'd have all the most fancy. Yeah. Or 25. I'm sorry, 25, 25 years old. I figured you'd have every. Yeah, um, any younger. No, I already. don't. But we do have a, a very good inspection process in it. Uh, you know, implemented and uh, it does work well. I mean, our numbers reflect that with their average RO and and our hours. So when are you going to join the ranks of these other two guys? Oh, it'll be soon. Probably three months. I'm okay. sort of on the three-month plan from April 1st, so three months from April 1st. He's yeah. switching software April Yeah, I'm switching software. He's got some things to, to do first. Yeah. So oh, okay. One step so, at a yeah, time. Okay, I understand. Yeah. His dad understand. was still holding on to a few things, and so he had to <laughs> kick him all the way out the door before he could make some big wholesale changes. So let me ask you a question. How old was your dad uh, when he turned over the reins or when well, you bought it? That's sort of still in the process right now. Okay, so. all right. Okay, um, and he's sixty-seven right now. Okay, cool, Cody. Uh, do you ever find time just to stop and think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's why I think that uh, the outdoors are such a big passion of mine. I go like in some pretty extreme places. Sometimes you know, way away from civilization or cell service or anything like that. So you don't really have an option <laughs> to not think or you know. Do you think about distract yourself business, or do you think about other things? It depends. Sometimes if I'm going with the purpose of I need a break, I will probably think about business because I need a break for a reason. Like I don't like feeling like that while I'm working, while I'm in the flow of things. Like I don't like feeling like, oh, I can't believe I'm still going. Like I, I need a break. I feel like you just it's the fastest way to burn out. So if you're at that stage already, you know, you, I sort of use that time to reevaluate. Okay, why do I feel like that? Am I unhappy because of what I'm doing? Am I spending too much time in it? Why do I find that so fascinating uh, to hear him as such a young man doing this? Because I think it's almost such a healthy discipline to have today, Scott, now, as, as he gets older and the business gets more complicated. You know, that's one thing that uh, really impressed me about Cody when I first started to get to know him. I, I knew his dad for, you know, about the last 15 probably close to 20, but the 15 years anyways, when I started to get to know Cody, the things he told me, and actually he mentions the outdoors, he told that to me, he told me about hunting and the way he does it. And uh, he, the thing is, uh, I have, I'm totally good. You know, we're Canadians, and so we, we might be seem to be anti-gun or something, but we're not really as anti-gun as some of you Americans think, but <laughs> we're, we're definitely not anti-hunting. We're all about hunting in the outdoors. And Cody, the way, if I remember really distinctly the way he told me how respectful he is 
to the uh, to the animal and all this stuff. He's like, wow, this is like, and this guy's twenty five. Like he's he has a, an incredible discipline for someone of that age, and he's got a good future ahead of him. Let me ask you, the older Peter, <laughs> where do you do your thinking? Uh, my drive to work, I commute uh, a little bit, so I, I like seem to get all these great ideas and. I never remember to write them down a lot of times by the time I get there. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I like to think about the process or I um, digest what happened through the day on my ride home, you know, things like that. Do you let your intuition drive a lot of your own decisions? No, I get paralyzed by analysis a lot. I overanalyze some things. And uh, I've got to learn to uh, to stop doing that and get onto my intuition a little bit more, just start doing, right? Um, and I think when we talked about that paperless side of things, that's where I... I just okay just just do it right and uh, let's see how it goes and change it so cody tells us that he goes out and uh, and and hunts and spends time in the great outdoors and boy this is this is the beautiful great outdoors here in the northwest and in and in bc um where are you finding your time peter to re-energize Oh yeah, I, I don't get a lot of time right now uh, to myself. I've got two young kids as well. Um, they're nine and seven, and uh, and my wife is also an entrepreneur herself. She's property management and a commercial realtor, um, with her own second generation business that her dad uh, has passed the torch on. So pretty busy, but uh, we take some time to uh, to uh, relax ourselves, my wife and I, and get away from it. And we're really good at bouncing things off of each other and talk about ideas. Both having that same entrepreneurial mind has been great to come up with that stuff so guys give me a success formula that's really what what is, what is it going to take for you know you two young guys to really formulate and develop your business over the next so many years that you, you've got to be thinking about that that some great new responsibilities passed on to you uh lots of weight up top on the shoulders okay uh, what, what's the success formula going to be for the future I think a, a big thing is doing exactly what we're doing here, you know, investing in the businesses as much as we're working in the businesses, right? So, you know, like Scott's got seven people here. So, you know, that's it's quite an investment to bring seven people up, or sorry, down to ATE and, uh, and you know, uh, sell them all and doing training and stuff like that. You just got to keep, you know, keep on top of what's happening. And uh, before you know, it actually gets there and it's too late, right? I, I, kudos to you, man. You, and you closed today, right? We did, and Monday. And Monday. Yeah. So, so here's the story. I, I meet people says, wait a minute, we can't close. We can't, we can't do this. So, Scott, give the message to the people who are naysayers. Well, it, it hurts me, actually, but uh, <laughs> it's the right thing to do. You no, know, so it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you long term. Well, no, it does. I don't think it hurts me long term. You're right. It, it, it does pain me to close, but... Because uh, um, that's just you. It's revenue. It's your clients right. and all that stuff. But It's pain no, with a purpose. It's uh, pain with a purpose. It, it's an investment in the future. And, and so, that, yeah, I, I'm a huge believer in, uh, in lifelong learning, like continuous improvement. This is what it takes. We have to take time off. And I don't believe that we can train our staff after hours or on weekends when we're too close to home. So we we made the investment. We come down. We spend the time. And I, I counted it the other day. And I am sure that classroom, like sitting in a class at least 75 hours a year myself, and that doesn't include all the like the other ones that are just like, you know, the supplier buys pizza and comes over and tries to show you some stuff at lunchtime. Those don't count. I'm talking real classroom yeah, time. Yeah. I always believe that we'll get our most investment out of ourselves. It's almost like if you're if you're if you're looking for a forty hour technician training program, you just need to come here and spend a few days and you got it. 
it's as good as it gets for us. Um, we have we have a local trainer that does a really good program at home. We're very lucky because that's unique. But otherwise, for us in the Metro Vancouver area, the best training on the West Coast is for sure at ATE. Wow. Let me go back to you, Peter, about that uh, the weight of the world and the shoulders and the, you know the formula for future success. Share it with us. Yeah, it, to me, it, it's coming at it with enthusiasm being excited embracing the technologies as it comes don't be afraid uh, it's uh, the only way it is i, I know that uh, from like i think about like my dad and i do recall like you talk about when fuel injection came in and things like that my dad saw that future took a specific electronics course like basic electronics nothing to do with automotive like really understand the theory of it all and really took it to heart and go from there and then his basic understanding of electronics when it came to diagnosing these fuel injection cars and they're coming in even from dealerships that couldn't fix them uh, back then is he had um, the know-how to do it right and and he was ready to embrace it so I think about what he did and I have to remember to do that I'm not a technician I don't have the technical ability but I, I got to be able to pay attention to the trends and make sure my guys have that ability right you guys both have big shoes to follow oh yeah Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And just to hear Peter talk about Dave, his dad, reaching out to find a basic electric class because he recognized that that was going to be important to the future. What Dave recognized as well is that himself, Dave was never going to quit. He was never going to say no. In fact, when he did, that's a whole other story. But when we kind of almost had to force Dave to, to quit, <laughs> we, we, we called it an intervention yeah. for fun. And uh, Peter can tell you whether he wants the whole story to come out or not. But uh, not it's a, it's a fantastic story, really. But uh, um, Dave was not going to quit. So he knew he had to learn how to do it. He had to fix that car. He'd stay till midnight if he had to. Dave tells me, I remember stories, he'd say that he'd go home and like have dinner and give the kids a bath and go back to the shop and work till midnight that's just what he had to do every day to yeah it's funny and he's instilled that in me too like i can tell you just this week right now because i haven't had that service advisor um i've been so behind on my bookkeeping and things like that that i had to like finish the shop get home i had cub scouts with my son do that drop him off at home and come back out to work and finish all paperwork and things like that i didn't get home till about 12 31 o'clock that night and in prepare, preparation for coming down today. So uh, he instilled that back into me. But also having mentors like Scott um, helps us prepare for the future and, and know that I'm hoping I can pay that forward as I get older and become successful. Any final words uh, that you'd love to share about uh, what's going on with the state of the industry and what we have to pay attention to? Really, it's up to us. Uh, there's not enough outside force to, to keep driving it. So it's up to us to, you know, keep the standard up. It's up to us to... Uh, to mentor you know future employees and 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 keep the industry going right so there's nobody doing it for us so well said cody yeah i I think we have no choice but to persevere and and so i'm not necessarily worried about the future so much because i know that i'm I'm there for it when it happens and take it on and and i think our industry will persevere um for me i'm not not concerned do you agree with this guy over here to my left a lifelong learner you got to be a lifelong learner. Uh, there's no question it's impossible not to it's not impossible to be. Yeah. not to today yeah, absolutely i mean yeah you got to make sure your techs are you know squared up and, and and aligned but what will be the kind of business training that you guys will be looking for is it you know is it going to be how to do good books or is it going to be leadership and culture leadership and culture is an easy one out of those two um but i think the way we get it uh, a huge way we get it is our momentum group and stuff like that like we don't really have classroom time like we have meeting and stuff like that but we don't have like a topic in classroom time but by doing going through each other's shop and meeting each other's staff you pick up so much stuff doing that 
and uh, it, and stuff you can implement yourself in creating a different culture and stuff yeah, like that. Those sh- the shop tours we do where we get to see what everyone's doing. Uh, you know, the one other gentleman that was going to be here, unfortunately, couldn't come down, uh, Mike from Supertech Automotive. Um, we got there to his shop last year and like the cleanest shop I've ever seen in my life. Just like and he didn't stunning. Tell us. Yeah. We didn't know we were walking into the cleanest diesel shop in North America. Yeah. It has to be. Oh, it's like easily. speck of dust yeah. there, Mike. Fix that. Like yeah. just kidding, there isn't actually a speck of dust there. <laughs> yeah. It blew us away. Yeah, and, and, and to learn how numbers. Yeah, and he just amazing, amazing volume out of that shop. And to learn how he did it. Uh, you know, he's got that one hour every Monday morning cleaning his shop. The entire shop shuts it down, then got processes, gets a complete shop. Checklist. So I came back in the next Monday. This oh, is what we're doing, a folks. A bunch of us came back <laughs> in the next Monday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Probably if our texts were talking to each other and figured that out, uh, surprised <laughs> if they didn't like what that happened to you too what? You know? <laughs> and there's there's the story that can't be done and then you see it yeah and you know that's just it's, it's one of those standard life stories it's so simple it's like it took uh, it took like that's what it took for us to figure out that you just have to actually take an hour a week and yeah. by the way i love how canadians say process how, how are you supposed to say it? I don't know. We say process, and you say process. Oh. And I love it. I just love it. The, the Jeremy O'Neill is just making fun of me for saying Mazda instead of Mazda. Ah. I suppose <laughs> so I, I love when you say pro- process. I, I just love it. I had a blast. Um, thank you, Scott Waddle, Precision Auto Service in Langley, British Columbia, for bringing the team together and for being a great friend of the podcast. And to Cody Olshasky from Gary's Automotive, 25 years old, rocking the world, baby. And Peter Foreman from Integra Tire, second-gen shop owner, about 40 years old, and uh, got the legacy of your mom, Dave, and Teresa. Thanks for sharing some of them stories. Thanks, Thanks Carm. It was pleasure. great. Thanks, Carm. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for investing in this episode with three members of the Momentum Group from British Columbia, Canada. And my thanks to Peter Foreman, Cody Olshasky, and Scott Waddle for their time. Find bios and the show notes at remarkableresults.biz slash E324. Isn't it great to slow down for less than an hour and listen to the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast during the commute, the treadmill, or even yard work? So much to learn and so many ideas and insights to consider and to implement. Hey, I'm glad you've become a loyal listener and appreciate the wisdom found in every episode. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time... 